listening to the Rent Roll Radio Show with Sterling Chapman. Hey, Rent Roll Radio listeners, welcome back to the show. As always, I'm your host, Sterling Chapman. Today, we're joined by a special guest who I have no idea how I met. He just showed up on my calendar one day. <laughs> Dave Seymour with Freedom Venture Investments. Dave, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining us. Hey, man, I love you. Thank you for having me. I love I love authenticity out of the gate, right? For your listeners, we just got on there like, who are you? Who are you? It's like we've got these back office teams that operate, you know, almost independent of our intelligence. But I don't know about you, brother. We, we've spent five minutes together prior to this call, and I already know you're a brother from another. So it's all good. Thanks for having me on the call. I know I'm in the right place. Sounds great. Dave, can you tell us your, your history, uh, where you started, how, what your journey looks like? Uh, just shine some color on it. Yeah, man. Let's color between the lines and then we'll, we'll color outside of the lines later on in the story, <laughs> right? Long story short, I'm an immigrant to the States. I came from England back in 1986. I was 20 years old. I come from a, a very typical blue collar background. My dad earned a living with his back and his hands. I did the same thing. You know, my mom was a secretary in a bank. I grew up in the English equivalent of the projects. I never went to Harvard. I never went to <laughs> Yale, but I'm very pleased to say I never went to jail either. So, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a blue collar guy today. I'm a blue collar guy with a blue collar attitude and a white collar world. But, you know, I came over in 86. I was young. You know, I messed around for a while trying to figure out what the hell I was going to do. I, I, I married an American girl. That's how I got to the States. But I ended up moving from Pittsburgh area, West Virginia area up to New England. And, you know, it's funny, man. Like there was always an entrepreneurial kind of vibe in me. I wasn't a good employee. I, you know, I just got to be honest. It was always like, why is this donkey telling me what to do? I'm smarter than him or her. You know what I mean? So I know today that that was entrepreneurship that was yet to be uncovered. But with that came financial illiteracy for me. I didn't understand money. I didn't understand how to how to create it, how to grow it, how to hold on to it. I didn't know how to grow wealth, retirement, those kinds of things. You know, I was following the the plan that so many people follow in our country. Simply go to work, trade your time for somebody else's money, make them rich, and you suffer the freaking consequences of, yeah. you know, compounding it's the, costs. It's the American way. <laughs> it's the American way. I tell you, dude, the, the day I told my father that you could spend more money than you earned and not go to jail. He nearly fell off of his rocking chair <laughs> back in England. He's like, you, you know, his best London accent came out. He's like, are you telling me the truth, boy? What are you talking about? You can't do that. That's illegal. I'm like, nah, it's not that. Everyone does it over here. It's great. All you need is a visa and a MasterCard and you can buy whatever the you want, dad, you know? <laughs> it's funny, dude. It's funny now. It wasn't funny then because yeah. the consequence of financial illiteracy I've been married three times, brother, twice because I wasn't present in the relationships, right? If you're working all the time, I got a job up here in New England. I landed a fantastic job too. I was a firefighter and a paramedic. I worked in a city called Lynn, just north of north of Boston. And I freaking loved it, bro. You know, I'm a guy's guy kind of guy, you know, sports and, yeah. and, and going at it full bore. And I love the camaraderie of it. You know, when everybody else was running out, we're running in. There's another tip for entrepreneurship. But, you know, because of my financial illiteracy, I found myself in pre-foreclosure in my primary residence, $70,000 in unsecured debt, and I was working 120 hours a week between three jobs. You know, the American dream that you called, it was a, was a freaking American nightmare Amen. at the end of it, you know? As it is for so many people out there today. Yeah, right. You know, if you think about what went down in 2007 and eight, 
and how that impacted the the average American household. It was vicious. It was violent. It was rape. You know what I mean? Mm. That's how violent it was on the on the American middle class. And you know, I was a part of that. I got hurt. And long story short, I, I worked construction on my days off from the fire department, ran, ran a small crew of guys. And I knew that there was something in real estate, right? I'd be digging the ditches, getting the blisters and the calluses on my hands and, you know, a bad back. And these people were pulling up to my job sites and they were real estate investors and their clothes were clean and their car was nicer than mine. And they had a freaking smile on their face. And their coffee wasn't frozen solid in a New England winter. You know what I mean? It was like, I hated those people. But here's what I realized. They knew something that I didn't. And I began to ask questions. Here's a little tip for you in entrepreneurship. Those that seek shall find. It's spiritual, yeah. brother. <laughs> you know? so and I started did, asking questions. Yeah. Yeah. How did you make that transition? Because that's the question I get the most is like, how do I start here and get there? That's always a great question. And, and everybody's got their own journey. I'm a stubborn son of a gun. I was beaten into submission. There were no more hours in a week that I could trade. I, I had to surrender to win. I got no problem sharing it. I'm sober 31 years, 31 years without a drink, a drug, a mood, a mind-altering substance in my body. And, you know, I was I was screaming and shouting and crying. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, I'm... Uh, I'm screaming and shouting and crying at my guy, my God, right? <laughs> Whatever you want to call him, something bigger and better than me. And I'm like, what the F, dude? You know, I, I don't lie. I don't cheat. I don't steal. I go to work. 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 Well, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm doing the plan. You, you sons of guns. You, you know, what, what? And, you know, if you ask for help, you get it. And I asked for help. And what happened was there was a commercial on a radio. And it was for a seminar, real estate seminar coming to Boston, you know, teach me foreclosure. And that was a defining moment in my life, dude. I went to a seminar to, and, and it was a, an introduction to real estate investing. It was foreclosures back then. And the guy teaching the class started saying things that I had never heard before. And he said to me, if you don't figure out how to make money while you sleep, you're never going to be wealthy. He said, if all you do to create more money is to work more hours, you'll never be wealthy. And even if you do have a lot of money trading time for money, you won't have a, a family life. You won't be able to be present with the people that you loved. And he told me that, <laughs> here's a good one. He told me that debt was good. And I'm like, what are you talking about? My dad always told me that debt was bad. Never have any debt. Pay off your credit cards. You only have a credit card, Sterling, for an emergency. But what they didn't tell me was is how much the emergency was going to cost when it arrived. Because my emergencies cost me way more than my credit card debt. You know what I mean? And I began to learn the leverage of, of other people's money, institutional money. I did uh, my first real estate transaction, single family. Did a wholesale deal. Made $5,000 not owning a piece of real estate. And I'm like, holy shit, this is illegal. Like, I'm waiting for the cops to show up. Is that how you got on the telly? Yeah, so I got the telly. Um <laughs> You know, it was funny. The same guys that taught me education in the seminar world, they took a shine to me, the gurus, if you will. Mm -hmm. And one of them said to me, he said, you know what? You're a funny bastard. He said, why don't you come and teach me comedy at my next event so I can be a better presenter on stage? Nice. I'm like, you're still busting my chops to teach you comedy, <laughs> right? But this guy opened the door for me to the education space. And while being in the, I became a platform speaker. I've shared 
I've shared stages with Tony Robbins and Pitbull. I've I've taught with with sixteen thousand people in Toronto, one of the bigger events that I've done. But you know, I've been in that space for for many many years. And what happened was was it it took me to the world of info marketers, online marketers, your Facebookers, your YouTubers, your TikTokers, and now the cool kids are in a new app called Clubhouse. And one of those guys said to me, he said, you know, you should you should turn in an application for a TV show. And this was like, I was still in a firehouse, dude. I was still working <laughs> a firehouse when we had that TV show. And I just turned in an application. I knew that I had to separate myself from the rest of the pack. So I loaded the application with profanity. Uh, <laughs> Go F yourself, LLC. Stop wasting my time. Get on a plane, train, or automobile. I'm Dave Seymour, the British bulldog of real estate and laughter. When everybody else goes running out, we go running in. Don't call me. You know, I like, I just aggravated them. And that's really how we got the show and created a, a company around that show. And we did four years of flipping Boston on the A&E network. We had the highest ratings ever on a Saturday morning on A&E. Awesome. Before you ask me, by the way, I made shit for money. Nothing. Really? Yeah. $1,500 an episode at the beginning and $15,000 an episode at the end. This face and this body, it wasn't making any Kim Kardashian money. So, right? but I mean, you were making money flipping the houses, right? Oh, of course I was. Yeah, I was actually the real house flipper on TV, not the rest of the shite that you see today on HGTV. Like, we really <laughs> flipped houses and ripped them a new you-know-what. Yeah, it was the exposure, brother, you know? One minute I'm I'm flipping a house on A and E TV. The next minute I'm hanging out with you know Holder and Kathy Lee on the Today Show, and, <laughs> and I got Joe from Squawk Box asking me my opinion of the trajectory of the residential marketplace in New England over the next five years. So, what did you do with that exposure? How did you capitalize on it? Yeah, you know what? If if I get serious for a second and turn off the comedic approach, I could have done a lot better. What yeah. I did was, was I leveraged it into some pretty good um, education platforms. There's nothing more incredible than breaking through somebody's barrier of financial insecurity, showing them the power of either passively or actively investing in real estate and watching their lives change. So I leveraged it that way through education. The other way is, is that my joint ventures and my partnerships, I'm blessed that a lot of doors open for me a lot easier than they do for other people who don't have the moniker of the brand and the TV show. So, you know, I did okay with that. I'm still leveraging it today, but I believe I could have done a lot better with it for sure. Yeah. I mean, everybody's fighting to be heard. And what do you do once you are heard? <laughs> you know, what do you do once you do have it? Yeah, I capitalize on it. So I just mentioned, for example, Clubhouse. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. not sure if you're familiar with it. I've heard of it. There's a lot of things in life that I guess I'm not, I'm not like the first person to dive into a lot of things. I kind of like wait and see if it's going to die off. And then if it yeah. doesn't go away, yeah, I got on Facebook in 2011. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. No, I'm with uh, you, brother. I'm with you. I'm not a genius. I'm a dinosaur when it comes to that stuff. I outsource it. But what do I do when I make noise? So Clubhouse is an app that allows, it's basically rooms. And there are speakers in a room. You get to be a moderator in a room. And then there's levels in that room. So there's whose speakers follow is the next gauge, like the front rows of the stage, if you will. And then there's the audiences behind there. So Mark Zuckerberg was in a room. The room maxed out in like two minutes while they're listening to Mark Zuckerberg. Over 7,000 people are on the app. 
I was just in a real estate room today talking about commercial real estate investing, syndicating, raising income from accredited investors for, for my business today. And I've got two leads right off of there, two international investors, one in Greece, one in London. And I also took down a million and a half from another syndicator today because of a relationship in Clubhouse. So how much would that cost me in Facebook ads and all of that crap when right now it's a free app and you just go in there, have a really good bio, make noise, share value. You got to share value. That's what we're doing right now. We're sharing value, hoping that people get value from what we say. So yeah, that's how I leverage it out today, right? Your network, network is the new currency. Absolutely. I'll say that again. Your network is your new currency. Relationships are, are a currency today to be traded, right? Reciprocity is important. It's not all about me. It's about my investors first. Absolutely. So tell us about that, that transition. It sounds like you went from flipping houses on TV to raising money and, and buying yeah. large apartment communities. How did that transition look? I'm curious. I just went through that transition for a year and a half. Yeah. So I want to yeah. know how, how that yeah. played look, out for you. You know this, brother. Flipping houses is a job. Sure. I say that all it's the job. time. It's a job. If you don't flip a house, you don't get paid. Ain't no money, honey. Right? Yeah. So it's interesting. I was in a marketing meeting. We had an intern. And I have a $100 million private equity fund buying apartment complexes today in the, in the Gulf Coast region of Florida. Plus, I do syndicated one-off deals. Got 81 units right now that we're closing on and raising for in, in the Orlando market. So we're in a marketing meeting, and this young intern, it's funny. Like You always got to check your ego at the door. This young uh, intern on marketing says to me, why the heck would anybody listen to you about passive investing in an apartment complex? Kid says, you're that, that angry contractor flipping guy from flipping Boston. <laughs> right? That's what he said to me. You know, my initial response is to go out in verbally, but from the mouth of babes. And what's interesting is, is I don't know about your journey, brother, but I was always, while I was flipping houses, I was buying two-unit properties, three-unit properties. You know, I've got the scars of being a landlord, dealing with tenants, toilets, oh. and trash, right? You know, Barbie being stuck in the toilet at three o'clock in the morning. My worst one ever was a disgruntled tenant who decided to throw a bag of quick creek down the toilet, Right. Quick crete, concrete down yeah, the toilet, yeah, yeah. and then it went solid in the in the stink pipe. Right. My Center. worst one ever is one decided to dump water down on the tenant below. Oh sure, <laughs> sure. Oh, but look, rock and roll. <laughs> Have you ever had one die in an apartment and nobody <laughs> knew for three days, and then they dripped through to the other apartment? That's <sighs> a little nastier than water. Oh man. Oh, I got stories, man. We could we could play that game for days. <laughs> But you know what, though? That experience of like 100, 120 doors of my own portfolio in C minus neighborhoods, you know, C neighborhoods, tougher tenant base, you know, it really forces you to do one of two things either run for the hills and never come back, or create systems to manage those kinds of assets, right? So, you know, you ask about how did I transition from one to the other? I was always in apartment house investing on a smaller scale personally. And then what happened was is at the beginning of 2020, I was running a hard money lending business for buy, fix, and flip. The bank always wins, right? Always wins. You always want to be in the bank position. And we were put out about, I had about 15 million in loans coming through the pipe. And they put me out of business in three days when COVID hit. 
because Wall Street stopped buying my notes. So as soon as Wall Street's not ripping my notes out, my line of credit, 50 mil that I was ripping the loans from, they said, we're not lending money anymore because you're not turning the notes over quick enough and I'm done. So I think 2020, the two words, well, three words of, of 2020 were COVID, pivot, and unprecedented. Right? Yeah. COVID, pivot, and unprecedented. COVID came along. It's unprecedented. You either pivot or you die. And I pivoted. Right? I pivoted. And when we started looking at the data that was out there with the moratorium on foreclosures, telling the American people you don't have to pay your rent, telling the tenant base that you don't have to pay your mortgages, right? You don't have to pay your mortgage. You don't have to pay your rent. But the property owners are going, well, if they don't pay their rent, I can't pay my mortgage, right? And we've yet to pull the Band-Aid off of that. So when we start looking at that data, we start looking at the fact that, you know, 383,000 people have left New York City. The rental rate in New York is down 30, 35%. All of the MSAs across the country are shrinking, not growing. Well, that means something. That absolutely means something. It means that there is a migration of people. Well, when people migrate, they move, they go for new housing, new apartments. So we got in the way of all of it. My business partner, Walter Novicki, down in um, Fort Myers, uh, he's been down there for 25 years doing syndicated assets, ground up construction. Him and I got on the phone and it was, you know, it was a coming together. I've known him for years, just a great guy, a couple of years older than me, but he's like, Dude, I've been syndicating for 25 years down here. I raised $125 million in my career, spent it, deployed it, paid it back to my investors, never missed any targeted returns. And he said, I can continue to do one or two. He said, but how about we go big and go home? I said, well, what do you mean? He said, let's raise a fund. Let's put a fund together. Instead of buying just one or two, he said, we'll buy them all. So we dialed in a really, really tight buy box. We buy 50 to 150 unit complexes. We let Wall Street and all those idiots pay way too much and get shitty yields for the big assets. Let them do that. We're not interested. And then what we do is, is we bring in all that investor capital, accredited investor. They come into our fund structure and they got a beautiful diversification because it's not just on one asset. It's yeah. across all the assets. So, you know, in this game, you know, some assets are going to do a little better than others. It's all checks and balances and you know, I almost think of it like a, like the gauges in a car, you know, yeah. a little more oxygen, a little less gas, right? Yeah. How do you make it perform and purr? So um, that's what we do today. Our investors come in at a 6% preferred rate of return. They have 10 to 12% targeted quarterly returns. And then the IRR, the internal rate of return or the value of their money working over time comes in at 20, 20 to 22%. And the equity multiple is 24 so for your listeners who don't know what we just said right there, basically over, two point. Over what period of time? Yeah, so that's a 72-month hold in our fund. As syndicated okay. deals outside of the fund are usually 24, 36-month holds. We hold those a little shorter. They're a little more aggressive on the, on the repair and the rehab. So our investors get a bigger bump, you know, 12 to 14% quarterly, 23, 25% IRR on the syndicated assets. So, you know, it's, uh, it works, man. It works. The capital's coming in consistently. We just extended our raise because I've got investors coming through qualified funds who need to get in. You know, it's an exciting time, man. There's a lot of action, a lot going on right now. Absolutely. Sounds like it. So what advice do you have for somebody younger looking to get started? Yeah. What was the saying? I heard it this week. It was good. Should I wait to buy real estate or should I buy real estate, real estate and wait? And wait. Yeah. Right? I mean, that, that's it. 
look, my oldest boy is 26, 27 years old, right? I got a couple of younger sons, nine and 11. But my oldest boy, it's interesting. He's not interested in buying real estate, right? But he's also got the advantage that his father knows real estate. So I work that young boy's capital for him. So he has that advantage. So if you're younger, reverse engineer it, right? What do you want to achieve? You want to be a landlord. You want to be a flipper. Do you want to be a lender? The very first thing I would always recommend is get educated, stupid, (laughs) right? What your Uncle Charlie told you doesn't work anymore, right? (laughs) Right? The guy who says to you that real estate is risky is an idiot. He's been doing it wrong. They don't understand what we understand. So check out a really good resource. Do not think you're going to grow independent wealth with YouTube University, okay? You're not going to find independent wealth just because you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. (laughs) I read that book and I couldn't find the page with all the really good deals in it in my neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like it takes takes a little bit more. But a newer guy, girl looking to crush this business, get educated, number one. Pay for that education because you'll pay for it one way or another, either in shitty deals or in your education. But then implement what you learn. Stop with the paralysis analysis crap, right? Don't swim around in your, in your intelligence. I know so much. <laughs> and yet your broker's a joke because you never freaking did anything, right? Yeah. So be action-driven. I think that's critical for anybody. Like, you know, I gave up, you know, a full-time career. I retired from the fire department because it cost me way too much money to go to work, right? <laughs> but I gave up a 46-hour career as a firefighter to work 100 hours a week as an entrepreneur. And yet I'm more jazzed up today than I've ever been. I'm 54 years old and I'm like, let's go. It's another day, baby. We're going to go out and kill some dinosaurs and bring home some steaks, you know? I'm excited about what I do. So yeah, that's it for the new new folks. Learn it, pay for it, implement it. Learn it, pay for it, implement it. Stop sitting on the sidelines. Three kinds of people. People who make stuff happen. People who watch stuff happen. And then there's the third one, which is 90% of the population. They go, what happened? Right? The opportunity's, opportunity's freaking gone. You know, it goes in one or two directions towards you or away from you, depending on the actions that you take in the middle of it. So I could get long-winded, but yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good start. Yeah, action and education are pretty much the consistent themes of the answer to that question. Yeah. yeah. So what, what's next for you? Great question. I got some new business partners. We brought them into our company at Freedom Venture Investments and they're conduits to uh, institutional capital. So, you know, I talk about real estate, but you know this now. We're really in capital, right? We're, we're in finance. Sure. Yeah. You know, we're in finance. So these institutional conduit partners came into our organization on the GP side. And what we're now seeing is, is the, the bigger check riders are stepping up to us at Freedom Venture Investments. These are the individuals who have minimum investments of five, 10, 15 million dollars, either into a fund structure or a syndicated one-off deal, depending on what their shopping list looks like. So that's exciting for us. That'll max out the current fund that we have open. And we're building the infrastructure now for fund two, which will be a half a billion with a B fund. So once you've got a half a billion dollars, you get a you get a seat at some pretty substantial tables because of the buying power that's now behind you. So you know, that's next for us. I mean, it's got a 10, 15 year plan to turn it over to the younger partners in our company. They'll step in so that myself and Walter can step back. 
but it's always get up and go every day, man. Just keep building business. It's such a good, good place to be, you know? Now, if you had it all over to do again, would you do it in the same path that you originally took or would you skip the house, flip it and go kind of No, that's a great question. Look, for me personally, if I was independently wealthy when I started, I would have just stepped right into lending, right? I would have stepped right into lending. I would have got the double digit returns on my capital if I'd have had a choice to do that earlier on. You know, I I expect a 20% return on my money. So I expect the same thing for my investors' money. But that being said, that wasn't my journey. You know, my journey was, was financial destitution, to be very frank with you. So with that, I learned, I learned a lot of things. I learned to respect every freaking deal that I do. I learned that my partner, Walter, for example, when he writes a check out of the fund, he always says it makes him sweat. And I'm like, <laughs> why are you sweating? Because it's not our money. It's not. But we treat it like it's our money. Why? Because the backgrounds of this team, my company, it's not coming from Wall Street, Harvard, or Yale, right? We're coming from hardcore backgrounds where we implemented that core value, if you will, into everything that we do. So I don't regret my financial challenges. I don't regret that first check for five grand. I don't regret taking the ugly duckling and making it beautiful. I could walk into a 150-unit apartment complex, and it's the same fundamentals of construction there that I had in a single-family flip. So, you know, all the verticals that are necessary, apartment, house investing, you need property management. You can only know a good property manager if you've made the mistakes yourselves, right? Construction, make those mistakes yourselves. So, you know, I mean it. My blue-collar attitude in this white-collar world is an absolute asset because I don't bring any ego. There's no pretension to it. I got nothing to have an ego or a swing and you know what. And it's yeah. not there, right? There's always somebody smarter than me. There's always somebody operating at the next level, right? Look to level up. So it's in my DNA, brother. I can't stand still. You know, I, I'm no good at parallel either. Like parallel is boring. Going backwards ain't an option. So I've only got one place to go, which is forward. Wholesale, buy, fix, and flip. Small apartment complex, big apartment complex is lender, private lender, hard money lender, institution, you know, like the journey just keeps going and I'm, I'm blessed to be on it. Awesome. Awesome. So just to help our listeners get to know you a little bit better, I want to hop to our radio round. What is your favorite book? The Secret by Rhonda Byrne. Okay. I hadn't had that one mentioned in a while. That's, a, that's an oldie but a goodie. Why are you going to go with the old piece for? What's up with that, man? That was unnecessary. <laughs> what is your favorite quote? Um, you don't have to see the whole staircase to take the first step. Awesome. What is your favorite thing to do outside of work? Build high-end Lego sets with my kids and tropical fish. All right. You haven't heard that one either, have you? No, that's a first yeah. for everything. I like to climb mountains and take long walks <laughs> on the beach. I like to get up at five o'clock in the morning and work out. Liar, liar, <laughs> pants on fire. Nobody likes doing that. Yeah, I like to hang with my boys, bro. Awesome. How do our listeners get in touch with you, find out more about you, invest in your fund, buy your education yeah. program? Yeah, yeah. You can go to freedomventure.com. That's our main website. You can punch in some info there. Our team will connect with you. Look, if you are an accredited investor, understand one thing, and you know this, Sterling. You just went through it. 
your investors, yeah, they invest in the deal, but they really invest in you and your team, right? Get to know us. If you get to know us and you like us, then invest with us. If we get to know you and we like you, we'll let you invest with us. If we get to know each other and we don't like each other, guess what? You can't invest with me. I've turned down investors. I'm like, I'm "Ah." turning your money down. (laughs) Look, we call them dick jams. Damn, I'm good. Just ask me, right? Those are the people that, look, you're a passive investor. Enjoy the journey of our fruits of labor. That's what I say to them. So you can you can jump on with us at Freedom Venture Investments. I'm old school, baby. You can call me at 781-922-4418. 781-922-4418. Just say that you heard me on, on this call. Or just Google my name, Dave Seymour, S-E-Y-M-O-U-R. And I'm sure you can find something about me online. Hopefully it's all good. Uh, <laughs> I think it is. Yeah. Reach out. Let's have a conversation. Let's get some education going because I'm not going to take your money if you don't know what you're doing. Simple as that. Awesome. Sounds good. Dave, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I'm I'm glad that that your people reached out to my people and got this thing set up for us. <laughs> so it's we, like, we're it's like what is it? What is it in Los Angeles, right? The Californians. <laughs> I'm going to have your people talk to my people and we'll do lunch. So we just did a your people, my people do a podcast instead, which is probably better than lunch anyway. There you go. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for joining. We definitely look forward to keeping up with the rest of your journey. Yeah. Take care, man. Thanks for tuning in to the Rent Roll Radio Show brought to you by Cressworth Capital. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating and review. You can also visit us at CrestworthCapital.com or RentRollRadio.com or follow us on Facebook at RentRollRadio or at Crestworth Capital. If you would like to reach us, feel free to shoot us an email at info at RentRollRadio.com or sterling at CrestworthCapital.com. We hope you come back next week to join us on some more of our journey. Until then, happy investing. <laughs>